The Productive Woman, Episode 260. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thank you so much for joining me and welcome. In this episode, I am happy to be sharing with you my conversation with lawyer, podcaster, and entrepreneur, Jamie Lieberman. You'll find more information about Jamie, along with links to resources she recommends and the various ways you can connect with her online, all in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 260. This episode is brought to you by the University of California, Irvine Division of Continuing Education. UC Irvine provides learning pathways for those seeking career advancement or just personal enrichment through a wide range of educational opportunities. And this is no fly-by-night operation. UC Irvine is ranked among the top 50 universities nationally and ranked seventh among all public universities in U.S. News and World Report's annual college survey. The Division of Continuing Education offers courses and certifications taught by industry practitioners in a wide range of categories from business and leadership to tech, project management, engineering, human resources, and over 60 convenient certificates and specialized studies programs, all designed for the working professional. The 100% online courses offer convenience and flexibility and a real immersive online classroom experience, even including collaboration with your peers. UCI Continuing Education can help you gain an edge in your career, make a career transition, or simply help you become more knowledgeable, providing you with the flexibility to stay on top of your game in your current role while preparing you to level up. Open enrollment means there are no applications to complete. You just log in and sign up. You can pay for a single course or enroll in an entire certification program. You have full control over your academic plan with UCI Irvine. Fall quarter's coming up and registration is open now. To find out more, visit ce.uci.edu slash productive woman and enter the code TPW to get 15% off one course. That's ce.uci.edu slash productive woman and enter the code TPW to get 15% off one course. This offers valid only until December 31, 2019 at 1159 p.m. So if you're listening after that date, I'm sorry, but check out the code in or the uh, that URL anyway, they may be offering something new at that time. So now let's get into my conversation with Jamie Lieberman. I am delighted to introduce to the Productive Woman listeners, Jamie Lieberman. Jamie is an attorney, a podcaster, and an entrepreneur dedicated to make legal stuff accessible to entrepreneurs and to sharing a message that legal stuff does not have to be scary. As the owner and founder of Hashtag Legal, where she leads an all-female virtual team focused on providing clients with advice 
on a wide range of subjects such as intellectual property, contracts, privacy, the FTC, and general business law, as well as negotiation strategies. She is serving entrepreneurs around the country. Aside from her professional endeavors, Jamie is also the wife of another lawyer, which will be fun to talk about, and mom to two active boys. And I've really been looking forward to talking with her about how she's making a life that matters. So welcome, Jamie. Thank you. Well, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, it's fun to get to talk with another lawyer who whose practice is very different from mine. Uh, and so I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit. But I, I gave a little bit of int- an intro to you, but maybe you could put a little more color on it. Tell us a little more about who you are, where you are, what you do, whatever you think would be useful for us to know as we talk about how you're making a meaningfully productive life. I love this subject. I won't lie. Um, As you could tell from the bio that you read or the brief one, I'm really busy. (laughs) So being productive is really important. Um, I'm a practicing attorney of just about 15 years. And I went a traditional route with, you know, big law. I worked for the federal government. And then after I had my first son, uh, my oldest son is about to be eight. I realized that as an attorney, it would be really hard for me to both practice in the traditional role that I was in and actually see my son. And so I sort of sat down and had a moment where I thought I have to be able to do both. I don't, I refuse to accept that it could be impossible. And that's where my own practice was born. And so I've had my own practice for about seven years. Um, I now have a second, I then had a second baby while I was launching my practice. And I have two boys now. Um, I live right outside of New York City in Hoboken, New Jersey, which is a lot of people refer to as the sixth borough of New York, which makes me laugh because my view is of the New York City skyline. So we live in a city. It is amazing. It's very hectic. Um, (laughs) We're very busy. Um, But yeah. And so my team, I have a team of uh, attorneys and staff that work with me. And they're all women, which I'm really proud of. And they all have flexible schedules to enable them to have personal lives, balance, whatever that looks like for each of them. Um, And that's really important to me. And so a lot of what you do as a lawyer is serving entrepreneurs of various kinds. And and I read in the information about you, and I've known about you for a while anyway, um, you work kind of in the influencer space. How did you settle into that? That's a funny story. So I I got my start when I came, when I left the government, um, I was working for the federal government, I said, and when I left the government to start to freelance, I was actually freelancing for other attorneys. So I was doing ghostwriting of briefs because I was actually a litigator mm. in my previous jobs. And at the same time, because I'm also creative, I was a blogger on my own. I wrote about, I was living in New York city at the time. So I wrote about living in New York city. And then after I had my first son, I wrote about parenting and I had sort of been in that space for a while. And so I thought it might be really interesting because at that time, about seven years ago, this was before the word influencer even really existed. Bloggers were starting to make money, make a business out of having, you know, a blog. And so I was working for and freelancing for a company doing some legal work, but some non-legal work to try to sort of figure out what I was doing with myself, a company that ran conferences for bloggers. About six years ago, uh, the owner asked me if I would give a talk about legal issues for bloggers. And I thought, yeah, I could figure that out. And so I gave that talk and a whole bunch of bloggers came up and said, I need your help. 
there aren't lawyers here that understand us, that know the business. And um, we really need a lawyer. So that's really how my practice took that turn. And from the influencer space, once blogging sort of became into this influencer marketing and I started working with influencers and agencies and brands, I started realizing there was a natural extension of that into designers or creatives or online professionals, app developers, service professionals, which then sort of turned into entrepreneurs as a very underserved area by lawyers because lawyers are fairly traditional, many of them. And so that doesn't necessarily jive well with what an entrepreneur is doing. And a lot of lawyers don't even understand what entrepreneurs do. And so it just ended up growing that way because we structure our legal services so that people aren't afraid of them, so that they don't feel intimidating. We're really transparent in our costs. We um, are have open communications. We are very responsive to emails. And we understand I've started, run and sold other businesses. So I know what it's like to be an entrepreneur and I can empathize with my clients. Yeah, I, it's a it's an interesting uh, perspective that you bring to the practice of law, and it kind of makes sense that you're serving the kinds of clients that you are. Yeah, I love it. It's so much fun. Um, it's it was really interesting because I I got clarity on the type of law that I wanted to practice based on a podcast I was on actually that was called The Happy Lawyer, which is a wonderful podcast, and I love listening to it, exploring happiness in the legal profession, which as a fellow lawyer you must know is something we all struggle with. Yeah. Um, and the host asked me a really incredible question. She said, "Is it the work?" Or is it the clients? Because in my previous litigation, I was doing really high level complex commercial litigation. And when it was framed that way, I realized it's the clients, it's the counseling, it's helping people. Mm. That's what gets me up in the morning. And that's really what sort of is my driving force in the practice and in what I do. And frankly, in life is just making sure that I'm an asset and helping other people. And that that is what makes me sort of able to do it. Yeah. And as a lawyer, I know how demanding the practice of law can be. And certainly when you're running your own practice, how, how is it different what you're doing now as opposed to when you were at a large law firm or a government, uh, working as a government lawyer? My gosh, it is, it is the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like the practice at big law and at the government really squashed any potential for creativity. Mm. Things were just done a certain way. And there was really no opportunity to distinguish yourself, make yourself different or do anything that would change the way an attorney would look at a project. You know, mm -hmm. a project came in, it was staffed. You had deadlines, whether those deadlines were arbitrary or not didn't matter. And the work got done and you had to be sitting in your chair all day, every day. They had to see your smiling face at that, at your desk for very, very, very long hours. And there was no chance for anything to change that. And I felt so stifled by that because I had no autonomy and I learned through those processes and I wouldn't change them for anything because I think you, you have to do the time. You have to figure out what you don't like to figure out what you do like. Mm -hmm. And so through that, I was able to determine autonomy is really important for me being able to be creative, even as a lawyer, which I think a lot of people don't think go hand in hand, but they can, um, is really important to me. And I'm, I was lacking that in those jobs. 
Uh, and so now, I mean, I do run my own business, so I obviously have the autonomy, but I'm also able to get creative with clients and I'm able to, you know, think of new ways to look at new problems. And I feel like it's sort of opened my eyes because I learn from my clients, people running their own businesses every day. And that makes my business better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so much of what we do as lawyers really in, in many ways, I think we are hired to be problem solvers. But if we're trying to do that in a structure that, as you said, kind of stifles creative thinking, I, I, I think we are not able to do our job as well. I completely agree. Mm. I think at the end of the day, the environments that I was in was really just so focused on the billable hour mm -hmm. <laughs> that all else was lost from that. Yeah. Well, we could we could go a long way down that rabbit hole because I have a few thoughts on that <laughs> subject, but that's not what we're here for. And so you have other things going on. You host a podcast, you, you, you go out and you speak to groups, you do lots of different things, and you've got a family and personal interests and stuff. And so this podcast obviously is The Productive Woman. We're talking about productivity. And as we define it on this podcast, it's, you know, it's, it's not about getting stuff done. It's about getting the right stuff done and, and making a life that matters. And we're going to talk a little bit about how you're doing that, uh, the tools and systems you use, the approaches you use to getting the things done that you care about. I think it's helpful before we get into those that sort of nitty gritty stuff to have a little bit of context for why you use the things you use, um, and to stay productive. So if there's such a thing for you as a typical day, what might that look like? Oh my gosh. So it's so funny. Um, this question, I was very lucky and I got profiled one or two years ago about a typical day in the life of me as an influencer lawyer. Cause I think at the time that was kind of an exciting mm -hmm. <laughs> term that people were using. And when I wrote it all down, a number of people sent me messages saying, your day is insane. <laughs> so, <laughs> with that caveat. Okay. Um, I tend to be a person who stays up very, very late. So I wake up about 7 a.m. Um, and my kids, so thankfully they're a little bit older and sort of do their own thing and know not to wake anybody up before 7. So we get up at 7 and um, I typically get ready real quick while my husband gives the kids breakfast and we get everybody ready. Everybody's out the door by eight o'clock. Um, kids go off to school. My husband goes off to his, um, he's also an attorney, goes off to his job. And I go to the gym, which is, a, makes me start my, my work day a little bit later, but the gym is my me time. It's mm -hmm. the hour a day I give to myself. My phone is on silent. I don't look at it. And it's really, it's really important for me to sort of clear my head. So I then come home and I'm working for most of the day and that can look like mostly a lot of phone calls. <laughs> so I'm on the phone or um, with clients, potential clients, my staff, and that can be anything from Skype or Zoom or regular phone calls. Um, I always time block a few hours in the morning before I start my calls in between my after I get home to do, you know, whatever work, catch up on emails. Um, and then I most of my afternoons are spent on the phone. My kids come home around 530 and um, I stop working at 530 because that two hours of time 
um, with them is really important. Phone goes away and I make dinner. We talk about our day. Sometimes there's homework that needs to be done. Um, I eat dinner with them and, um, my husband doesn't get home till a little later. So I sometimes eat two dinners, (laughs) which I'm trying not to do. Um, and then I just, (laughs) exactly, exactly. Um, and so then I hang out with the kids and they go to bed somewhere around seven 30 quarter to eight, depending on the day. Um, and then I try to eat another meal <laughs> because I'm hungry. And I actually typically start if unless I have plans, I mean sometimes I do, you know, go out, meet friends or work event or networking, something like that. I work again. Um so I usually pick up my laptop sometime around nine and I usually work till about midnight. Mm. Uh and I probably go to sleep anywhere between twelve and one AM. So that's a it's a long day. Yes. <laughs> Very. Uh, are your weekends, do you work on the weekends? Do you do family things? Do you just relax? What What are your weekends like? My weekends are usually based around my family. Um, I do occasionally work if I have some deadline that I need to meet um, and I wasn't able to get to it during the week. Um, I will pick up. I do. I try not to answer emails on the weekends uh, because I'm trying to get out of the habit of that. I'll monitor them. Um, and then I sort of save them because I find if I get lost, I can get lost in my email, my inbox for two hours and I don't want that. So, um, you know, it's depending on the time of year we spend, I, I mentioned we live in Hoboken and it's a city here. So we walk everywhere or bike. So we typically will go to either the farmer's market. We go to parks. We have, we see friends, we go swimming in the summer. Um, I'm very lucky that my, um, husband's family has a in-ground pool. So we'll go out into the suburbs and swim, which is great. Um, and yeah, so we go into New York a lot because it's so close. It takes us 10 minutes to get there right across the Hudson river. Mm. Um, so we spend a lot of time outside. Um, it does tend to get kind of jam packed. There are moments where I have to sit down and say, maybe we should just watch a movie (laughs) or (laughs) hang out, you know, or the kids can go play or let's take an hour to read. So we, we really don't do a lot of screens in my house. Uh, so that's important to me as well. So we'll, throw the kids into their room and say, go figure something out, go play and do an art project, do something. Yeah. That's a, it, it sounds like, uh, you've got a lot of things going on, but you've really thought about how you're doing those things and, and what's important to you in terms of how your time is spent. Yeah, I actually, um, my base answer anytime anyone asked me to do anything is no, actually. Mm. Um, It used to be yes. I'd immediately say yes to everything. And I realized if I go into anything, it could be as something as simple as do you want to bring the kids over for dinner to do you want to speak at this conference or do you want to take on this new client? My answer is always no, because then it forces me to think to myself, if I take this on, is it worth the time that I'm spending? And is it because it's going to have to replace something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and that something else could be something as simple as relaxing. Um, and so when I look at it through that lens, and I don't say no out loud, I always laugh about that. I'm not like I'm saying no to everybody, but I think things through through the lens that my days are already so filled. Finding more time is hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, I have to really think long and hard about each opportunity that's presented to me. Um, and sometimes it's a very easy yes. And those yeses I give very quickly. And sometimes I, you know, really think through whether or not it's worth it. And if I find myself thinking for too long, there's a reason. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to go with that gut. Yeah. It's funny. I was just reading in a book last night uh, about the whole concept of saying no and about opportunities and that a lot of us, most of us get presented with opportunities all the time to do things or go places or, or whatever. And one of the things this writer said that kind of stuck in my head was just because something is presented to you as an opportunity by the person presenting doesn't mean it's a good opportunity for you. Exactly. That's, that's my philosophy every single day, because it might be a great opportunity for somebody else. And so a lot of times if something is presented to me and I think, oh, this may not be a fit for me, but I sure know somebody who would be a great fit for, then I'm going to make that introduction. Yeah. And that's, that's a great way to say no, to be able to say, this isn't for me, but I know this other person that could be a great resource for you or something like that. That I think that kind of can soften the no a little bit. It definitely does. And it feels good because you're helping people. And that's what I love to do. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because for a lot of us, a lot of women in particular saying no is very difficult for a whole host of reasons. How did you get to the point? You mentioned that your default used to be yes. How did you get to the point to where you're comfortable with, with the default being no and with actually when you need to actually saying no to the other person? A lot of practice. Mm. <laughs> I actually think it's my training as a lawyer. Mm. Um, I'm, I think as attorneys, we are taught to separate business from personal and business from feelings, which is not always positive. And I don't always think that separation is okay. By, our, by its very nature, particularly if you're a litigator, the profession is so adversarial mm-hmm. that you almost have to put up a wall or you'll crack. I mean, it is... Yeah challenging some of the things in my career that have been said to me that are, I wouldn't say to my worst enemy, it's shocking. So you sort of have to put up that barrier in your professional life. Um, And so because of that, I sort of have that default anyway, although I'm slowly trying to take that barrier down to a good point because I think their empathy belongs in business. Um, But that being said, I still, as a woman, like you mentioned, have you know, my brain works in a certain way. And so my instinct is always to say, yeah, I want to make everybody happy. Mm. And then my business grew so quickly that I started to struggle with, but I'm not feeling happy right now. And then I gave a talk about negotiation, which is a topic that's really near and dear to my heart. I taught um, law school for some time. I was an adjunct professor. It was one of the topics that I taught. And I noticed through that, that women tend to have a much more difficult time. And I'm, you know, I don't generalize, but it it does. That is what I've noticed. There are some Mm -hmm. amazing female negotiators, not amazing male negotiators, but I've noticed generally as a theme that women struggle more with it than men, particularly my clients. And so I started to talk about the power of no and how important that is in knowing when in a negotiation, what your walk away is, you have to have one or there is no negotiation. And giving that talk over and over again, really crystallized for me, just how important saying no is and feeling comfortable saying no and feeling confident enough to trust your gut Mm. because only you know what the right answer is. And you have to be able to be strong enough to say to yourself, I know what I want and be good with that. And there's shouldn't have to apologize for that. Yeah. And, and the fact is that yes has very little meaning without no. Yeah. 
you know, and again, we, there's a lot we could say about that. I think in my experience, which is very similar to yours, uh, your, your observations about women in negotiation, I think women are very good and, and, you know, with the same caveat, as you said, you can't generalize, there are exceptions to every rule. But what I've seen and have experienced is that women tend to be very good in negotiating or advocating for someone else, but not so much for themselves. I couldn't agree with you more. That is, it's, I've had the exact same experience. I think about women and children and Mm -hmm. that fierce mom whose kid needs help and she will just, I mean, you just have that, that image in your head of the woman who's just like, absolutely not. But for herself, it's a lot harder. Yeah. And, uh, lots of, lots of reasons why that might be the case, but I I've certainly seen it. I've experienced it. I, you know, I'll go to the wall for my clients to, yes. to negotiate for them and get, you know, what they need. I have a really hard time doing it for myself, asking, making the ask for myself or, you know, setting the boundaries for myself. And I, I, I've seen that for a lot of women. It takes practice. You have to practice. Yeah. It's, it's a skill. It really is. Um, And so uh, you just got to practice it. Just try it, feel it out, see how you feel after it's done. I think it makes all the difference. Yeah. That's, that's excellent. Um, Well, and going to the point of skills and, and the things we're good at and maybe not so good at, every, I think every person's life is a little different, presents different challenges as far as staying productive, getting those things that done that really matter to her. What would you say are your biggest challenges when it comes to managing your life and being productive in the way that you want to be? Organization and time management. It's mm. not my wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a, it's a struggle. I, I, every day, it's why the first hire in my business was a director of operations. Mm. She is my right hand without her. I could not run my business. And, uh, yeah, even at home, it's endless list taking. We have a huge family calendar. We have electronic calendars. We have chalkboard calendars. I have notebooks. I have lists on my apps it's, uh, it's hard. My husband is a very organized person, so that does help. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I struggle with, um, going down a rabbit hole of, you know, Oh, this is so interesting. I want to learn more about it. An hour later, I'm like, Oh, he's supposed to be working on something else. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I have that squirrel syndrome. Well, and that's interesting to me that you say that time management and that sort of thing is a challenge for you because you do have so many things going on. You have a a successful legal practice. You have a podcast that you do, you go out and speak. Um, you know, I knew who you were long before we were actually introduced by a mutual friend uh, as a potential for you to come and be my guest on the show. And so you're getting things done. How, how are you doing that, I guess, is my question. If time management is a challenge for you, how are you getting the things done that you care about? Amazing people around me who help. Mm. <laughs> um, I, I make it a priority to try, I guess is the best thing I'll say is I recognize it as a weakness. And so I spend time working on it. It just doesn't come naturally to me. So I utilize 
I have a lot of, I have certain apps that I utilize. Um, Like I said, I bullet journal that has made an enormous difference in my life. Mm. Um, I know that I'm a person who needs to write stuff down. And so I heavily schedule my day in a way that makes most people cringe. If you were to look at my calendar, you'd be like, what is happening there? Mm-hmm. But I even have to schedule my gym time. My, you must, you're, I want to read. So I'm going to read for 30 minutes. I schedule everything to keep myself on track. And, and so what calendar do you use? Um, I use a calendar called fantastical mm-hmm. and um, it's great. I love it. And I also use, I, I I use the Google calendar as well because I'm, you know, we use G Suite in my business. And so it just sort of extends into personal because I obviously have a business email and then I have a personal email. And so I use those calendars, but Fantastical is great. Talk a little bit about how you're scheduling. You mentioned that you schedule your days very heavily. What is What does that look like for you? Do you just have blocks for everything you're doing? How How do you do that? Yeah, I time block. Um, So I know my phone calls are going to be every day from, say, one to four. And I can deviate from that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, for certain instances, you know, that doesn't work for everybody. Uh, So I will. But for the most part, I schedule my calls from one to four every single day. Um, I know that in the morning I'm going to work on email and then I'm going to try not to get back into my email. And I'll do that from, say, 10 to 11. And then from 11 to 12, I'll finish or finalize a project that I'm working on that needs to be sent out. And then I do actually a lot of my actual client legal work at night Uh, because it's quiet. Nobody's emailing me. I don't even open my email at that time. And so a lot of that actual work that needs to get done happens at night because I know I'm, my brain works best and I'm, I do really well at that time. Uh, and so that with that lens, knowing, you know, I have the, the two hours with my kids. Um, I have the few hours for phone calls in the morning is email, finishing up projects and then work at night. Um, that sort of works. And then I'd say once a week, I don't, or sometimes twice, I block the afternoon, particularly if I have plans in the evening and I know I'm not going to get to work and I don't take phone calls. Mm -hmm. And I spend that whole afternoon doing whatever client work needs to get done or whatever needs my attention. Yeah. I mean, there's a real value in sort of batching work like that because you're not shifting back and forth between between different types of work. If you've got a block of time set aside for phone calls, you can kind of get in that mode and get on a roll and and take care of those things uh, and not have them interrupting. What I I have a hard time with, uh, you know, for doing my legal work, as you know, it requires some concentration and some thought. And if I have, you know, an hour to work on something, and then I've got a bunch of phone calls, and then I've got another, you know, 30 minute break and getting back into the document I was drafting or whatever. For me, that's very challenging. And it's more helpful for me to do like you've talked about, kind of consolidate phone calls into a a particular chunk of time and carving out bigger blocks of uninterrupted time to do that work that requires me to pay attention and, and think. Yeah, that's, it's the only way I can do it. Yeah. Uh, what other tools or systems do you use to get your work done or to get get the things done that you care about, whether personally or professionally? Are there other things that, that help you out with that? 
Yes. Um, I use Dubsado in my business. It's um, a CRM, but it's also a project management tool. And my director of operations, her name is Bree. Bree is responsible for Dubsado. She owns it. She loves it. She's amazing with it. (laughs) I've never Um, heard of it. It's incredible. Um, I love it. You know, you could... Any other profession but attorneys could probably use it as a full system for both invoicing as well. I I can't because I have, you know, as you know, we have certain ethical obligations that we have um, in our billing and invoicing and acceptance of payment. So I use another system called Clio, which is specific to lawyers for timekeeping conflict checks, Mm -hmm. um, which is a very boring thing. No one who's not a lawyer needs to know about. (laughs) And um, I invoice through Clio, which uses something called law pay, which is specific for lawyers too. But Dubsado, we take all of our leads, come in through Dubsado, they get assigned Um, I actually speak to almost all of our leads. It's high volume for sure, because I feel like they want to talk to somebody. Uh, A relationship with an attorney is so personal Mm -hmm. and oftentimes intimidating for people. So my my goal is to spend that time. This is why I've hired lawyers that work for me so that I can do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that my lawyers are sort of doing the work and talking to clients and potential clients as they come in. We also, when projects come in, so if a client hires us, we have what are called workflows. So let's say, for example, a client comes in and wants us to work on a trademark. The minute they sign our engagement letter, a workflow is triggered and they receive our trademark questionnaire, which asks all the questions we need to know to get started on that trademark application. Hmm. So it's all automated. And that's all in Dubsado? It is. And Brie has set it all up. So it works for contracts. It works for entity formation. It works for contracts. We have all different workflows set up. Um, but we also make sure there's a personal touch as well. So I get a notification when those item, those workflows are triggered and also when they're completed by the client. So then I reach out or one of my associates will reach out um, just to make sure that they know that we're there and we're watching and we see what's going on and they're, when they're going to hear from us. So um, that Dub- Dubsado is, has changed my productivity in that way because I was doing all of that manually. Acuity is another one, which I cannot believe how long I waited to sign up for it. It's almost embarrassing. That has automated my scheduling process. It's amazing. That's a good one that I use. Um, in personally, we have like an ongoing grocery list, which sounds very silly, but it's an app that's shared between my husband and I so that when someone puts something on the list, we both know about it. So if one of us like runs into Trader Joe's or wherever we're going, we can pick it up without having to tell each other. That actually helps a lot. And we have a shared calendar. So instead of me saying, hey, I want to go out with my friends tonight or, you know, the kids have a birthday party, we just send calendar invites to each other. (laughs) And it's really funny when one gets declined. (laughs) I'm like, wait. Um, So it's really helpful. And then we'll sit down and we'll just sort of look at like the family calendar to see who's doing what and going where and and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, we do do a lot that way because otherwise you'd be waiting forever and then we're checking and you can sort of all see it in front of you. Yeah. Um, So that's really, really helpful. What what app do you use for the grocery list? I use, I'm going to check right now. I have to look at my, uh, it's called our groceries. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, 
we'll try to put links for all these in the show notes. Just, uh, honestly, it's a that is a question that comes up from time to time in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group of how do people manage those sorts of things. My husband and I have just a shared list in the Apple Reminders app because we both have oh. iPhones and we do the same thing. When he wants something, you know, he adds it to the list. Uh, if I, That's where I kind of add things in and whoever goes to the grocery store has it there. Yeah, exactly. It's funny. And it's sometimes funny if the kids get into it. <laughs> see like <laughs> chocolate cake. And I'm like, I know yeah, I didn't write that. <laughs> Gummy bears. Yeah, exactly. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, it's really, it's really funny. They think they're really funny. Um, I mean, they are. I, I won't tell them that. <laughs> that's what happens as the kids get older now tell me again your your kids ages so my big one's going into third grade he's about to be eight and my little one's going into kindergarten he's uh five and a half and do either of them have phones yet oh no absolutely not (laughs) they they do not but they have figured out unfortunately how to crack into our phones Mm -hmm. so every once in a while and we also have a google home which um, they play music on only, but every once in a while, because, you know, there's, you can add lists on there. They'll yeah, add okay. things to a Google list. And I'm like, oh, but they have, <laughs> they have their own Spotify playlist that we've set up for them. They've called it Brothers Rule, which makes me laugh really hard. Um, <laughs> and so they play that and they'll occasionally, with permission, add songs onto the playlist uh, that they like to listen to when we're at home. So it sounds like you you rely a lot on different sorts of technology as well as your bullet journal to kind of manage all the different things, which makes sense given, you know, your husband is working in one place, you're working somewhere else and the, the need to kind of coordinate everybody's activities and and the lists and those sorts of things. Yeah, I'd say we're mostly uh, technology with some analog, I guess, as you'll call it, we do have that big chalkboard calendar that sits in the kitchen. Um, And we it's actually really fun. At the end of every month, we erase it, we look at it, we talk about like what we did that month, then we erase it and do the next month, um, which we do together. So we talk about where everything is. And I travel quite a bit for work. And so does my husband. And so we'll write our trips on there, which sort of helps our kids who are used to it. But still, it can be it can be a challenge helps them kind of mentally prepare for when mom and dad are going to be away or out of town um, and what's coming up, things to look forward to. Like we're going to the beach at the end of the month. And so we've been counting down the days until our Jersey Shore trip. Nice. And and you've said in your bio, it says that your law firm is virtual. So your team is kind of dispersed. Yeah, we have um, people. Oh my gosh, we have our Florida. We have um, our my obstructor does live in New Jersey, but she's um, about an hour away. So we actually use um, Slack. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a big the Slack messaging service. I love that messaging service. And we have all kinds of channels. Um, we also do a monthly Zoom call mm-hmm. where we're not really talking about business so much as just seeing each other's faces mm-hmm. and um, chatting with each other. And I give an update to them because they all know what's going on in the business. I don't hide anything. Um, and so they, I want them to feel a part of the business because without them, I can't do it. Yeah. And we all have really defined roles. So I'm really honest with them about what's going on. And we talk about that. But Slack is a big one for us to stay in touch. 
Yeah, when you're when you're working remotely, when people are working remotely, and that's becoming more and more common, you know, maybe not so much in the legal profession, but just in the world in general, there's lots of lots of people wanting to be able to remote uh, to work remotely. Uh, it can can be a great option for, you know, a mom who wants to to not have to spend the time commuting still wants to work, but wants to, to have more time available for the family. Uh, the firm that I am a partner in, we, we all work kind of dispersed. We have office space available to us, but you know, lots of us don't use it. We work from home or we work remotely in various ways and finding ways to stay in touch and to communicate with each other, um, to even get a little bit of that, you know, the old fashioned reference to the water cooler chat that, that you don't get if you're working uh, at home alone or alone in an office somewhere. We, we also have office space in New York city. Nobody ever uses it, <laughs> but we have it if they want it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I definitely try to make a huge effort to stay on top of that, you know, virtual kind of water cooler. Um, but I also think that because my staff has so much autonomy, because, I mean, we have set working hours where we're all should be in the office, but if you, but I don't care what that office looks like. I've had people work at the beach. I've had people do their full day. Um, or if you need to step out for an hour or two to take care of something personal, I, I I'm told about it, but not asked. And that's yeah. really important to me. And I believe, and I truly have seen it. My staff is incredibly productive. They're really loyal and they put in extra. And it is so counterintuitive to not give people that autonomy that you trust. I mean, you got to find the right people. I happen yeah. to have an incredibly smart group of driven group of women that work with me. Um, but it is, it makes us so much more productive because they know I trust them. I'm not looking over their shoulder. I believe in them and I give them the power to do what they want to do and to be the best at what they want to do. Um, and they can do those projects and it just, it means so much. I struggled so much when I worked in those other traditional law firms and had so many toxic bosses that I vowed I would never be that. Mm. Well, and so as is the case for all of us, every experience we have feeds into what we become. And, mm -hmm. and as you said, when you, when you see what you don't want, that helps hone the direction that you do want to go. That's exactly right. That's why it's interesting. I get a lot of unsolicited emails from young lawyers saying, how'd you do it? I guess, I don't know if they Google me or hear me on a podcast or something. And they're like, how did you build this? You know, how are you? I want to do what you do. And I'm like, I've been doing this for 15 years <laughs> and I worked for five years before I went to law school. So mm. I, am, I am 30. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't do that math. But uh, yeah, like I did it for a while and I couldn't be who I am or offer the services that I do without that experience. And sometimes that experience is terrible and it's hard to muddle through. But sometimes there's really amazing experiences, like all the people I met along the way, the opportunities that I was given. Um, and so it's important to take your time um, and find that out before jumping into something. Um, I think you you need a little bit of experience. Yeah. I think that I think that's true. Well, Jamie, you you obviously 
are getting a lot of things done. You have the systems, the tools, the plans that we've talked about that are making it all work for you to get the things done that you care about, to practice law in the way that you want to, to be with your family in the way that you want to, and to do the other things. So with all of that as a backdrop, I have to ask the question because I ask every guest, even with the intentionality you've put into all of this and the systems and the tools that you use and, and the approach that you take to making your life that matters, do you ever have a day when it all gets away from you or you get just stressed out and overwhelmed? And if so, what do you do to get back on track? I, I, I do. It happens <laughs> to all of us. You get the phone call from school somebody's sick. Mm. <laughs> and that's me. I'm the one who's going to go get them. Or, you know, you, I, you have a rough email or call, or frankly, you wake up and you just aren't in the best mood. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it happens, right? We're human and that's okay. So I step away when that happens, even if it's for half an hour to just take a minute to myself, whether it be I write or um, I walk around the block or I drink a cup of coffee in silence, or sometimes I have a meditation app that I use to try to just sort of calm, you know, my body, as I like to say to my kids, you need to calm your body, mm -hmm. um, or calm my mind. And, uh, and then I sort of put my shoulders back and I'm like, okay, you had your half hour, you had your time, it's time to pick it up and do the best you can. And sometimes you just got to let it go. And if you're not having the best day, sometimes you just got to put it down mm -hmm. and say, I'm going to come back to it later or tomorrow when my head is clearer. Yeah. And to give yourself permission to do that is so important. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Jamie, what's on the horizon for you? What do you have coming up either professionally or personally that you're looking forward to excited about? Oh my gosh. Uh, definitely vacation. I am <laughs> very excited. The month of July, I traveled more in June than I did not. <laughs> uh, and that was challenging. My family was amazing about it. And I spoke at some really cool events and I have some really cool ones I'm speaking at in the fall. But in July, um, I am not traveling at all except for a beach trip with my family. And I cannot wait. Mm. The beach is my happy place. So I'm really excited. And in the fall, I'm really excited about some of those really cool trips that I'm taking, um, some of the speaking I'm doing. Uh, it'll be good. Sounds great. Well, where can people connect with you online? If they want to find out more about what you're doing, maybe, you know, interested in, in your services as a lawyer or your podcast or whatever, where's the best place for people to find you? So um, the website for the for my law firm is hashtag all spelled out dash legal dot com. And my podcast is the fearless business podcast. We talk all about topics for entrepreneurs that people are typically very afraid of. And we try to make them less scary. Mm -hmm. um, and if you want to email me, you can email me. Uh, Jamie is J-A-M-I-E at hashtag dash legal dot com. I love hearing from people. As you can tell, I'm an extrovert and <laughs> I get a lot of excitement out of talking to new people. Uh, I don't even use the word networking. I just like to get to know people. So um, I love hearing from everyone. Okay. And we'll be sure to put links to all those things in the show notes so folks can find it there. Uh, it has been great talking with you. Before we wrap up, do you have any last words for the listener who might be looking for a little help or encouragement in, in getting things done and making a life that matters? What, what would you say to her? I would say to trust your gut. You probably already know the answer. You're really, really smart 
and you know what's best for you. And so sometimes silencing the noise of everybody else's opinion or the should haves, it should be the I wants. Mm. Uh, if you're grappling with a problem or something that, you know, you need to do going forward, I think that that is, is the best piece of advice I would have known. I wish I would have known, say, 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't say it better myself. That's really great advice and a great reminder for us all. Thank you so much, Jamie, for taking the time to talk with me today. Thank you. This is fun. I really enjoyed talking with Jamie. I hope you enjoyed listening to the conversation she and I had. I really am thankful to her for taking time from her schedule to share with us her thoughts on how she manages her own life for the suggestions and encouraging words she offered for the rest of us. Uh, she's offered to share with us some negotiation resources. So be sure and check out the link in the show notes for this episode to find out how you can get those. Uh, but what do you think? Do you have any questions for Jamie or for me from the conversation she and I had? You can share your questions, your thoughts, your ideas in the comments section of the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 260. Or feel free to post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page or in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, because that's a great place to continue this conversation. As always, if you'd prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, I love to hear from you. So you can email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. I think that's it. Remember our, our sponsor, the University of California, Irvine's Division of Continuing Education. Their fall quarter is coming up now. Registration is open. So to learn more and perhaps sign up for a course to advance your career or grow your own knowledge, visit ce.uci.edu slash productive woman and enter that code TPW to get 15% off one course. That's ce.uci.edu slash productive woman and the code TPW for the 15% discount on a course. Thank you so much to UCI for supporting the Productive Woman podcast and productive women everywhere. And that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. I thank you again and again for spending this time with me and with Jamie. I hope you felt it was worthwhile. I hope you found something in this episode that was helpful or encouraging to you. Let me know if you did. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. Oh,